0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960.
1: The Fan.
0: Good afternoon, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today on Hockey Central at noon. One hour of hockey talk to get the afternoon started on what is a very important day in the Stanley Cup playoffs as game three of the Stanley Cup final goes tonight at six here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we will have that covered Uh, quite a few other subjects to discuss as the program rolls on. So let's get right to it with our Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius,
2: Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini. Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style. Your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
0: Good afternoon, Lou. How are you today? I am uh, excellent. I am excellent. Good to hear. Um, Let's get into, we have a few things to cover today. Um, Do want to to get your thoughts. There's some reporting going on. What we're finding out is the Flames are tied to everyone at at this point, and that's nothing new in the Brad Trilogy era. I was going to
2: say, there's a a stone-cold stunner. (laughs)
0: um but uh specifically alex petrangelo the reports are that the flames are interested in him as i think every team should be but what do you make of the fit of alex petrangelo with a flaming sea
2: well again it's a lot of money if you're looking in the neighborhood of nine million um it would give you you know an elite elite defenseman um you know an olympic type player a stanley cup winner another leader into your arsenal um you know i'm not usually this guy peter as you know but now you have to understand the long-term commitment the money and how everything else is going to fit so If I'm the Flames, like many other teams, if I can make the math work, would I take a pretty strong look at it? Absolutely. I also love the fact that he's right-handed. And for the Flames, when I think about, you know, their slotting and their pairings and, you know, how you're going to go about your business for the next little while, um, you know, it sets up pretty well. If you wanted to play him with Giordano and depending on how the rest of your group looks, uh, certainly there's some great, great potential. But as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, you know, what can you get done? And frankly, what are your priorities? So I said last week that one of the priorities for me, in part, was just the reconstruction project. Of your forward group. That's not to say that there's not work to be done everywhere, including potentially between the pipes. So, you know, it's it's a huge hit for a guy who's 30 years old. If you're in the nine million seven year category, could you make it work? Yes. Would you, would I welcome it? Yes. Um, but I'm not 100% behind it that's That's the best way, Peter. All I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks is what feels and this let me echo this feels like it would have a great chance to happen for the flames is another Carolina type trade where you might move you know a couple of people for a nice return that might maybe looks after not just one box, but helps you check off a couple of boxes. And I can think, you know, I, I'm not big on <laughs> creating. Well, we all have a little fun with trades, right? Every once in a while. Um, but the Boston Bruins are an intriguing team for me in terms of what they might have that you could build and, Listen, the hard part about Petrangelo, and guys, I'd be curious on both your opinions where he's concerned, is my favorite part of the Flames roster really is kind of that 25, 26 and under category. and And, and I think Brad has done an unbelievable job of building that group. So whenever you can kind of add to that group, help that group develop, uh, I'm I'm really potentially excited about that, but I'll throw it back at you guys. I mean, it's you know I'm sure it's going to come up this afternoon. I know it was a big part of what they discussed this morning at the radio station. Where are both you guys with it?
0: I I, I like it a lot actually. I think that Petrangelo checks off a bunch of boxes for you um, when you look at the, the playoff experience. Like you said, right shot defenseman, and, and I understand that blue line help wasn't the biggest uh, thing for a lot of people on their checklist for the Calgary Flames this season, but I'm kind of of the opinion, if you can improve your team, I don't care what spot you're improving it in, just make your team better. And, and Petrangelo would certainly do that. The length of the contract could potentially get concerning when you look at a, a 30-year-old defenseman who you just pencil in for 25-plus minutes a night. like that's He is just locked in at that number. But I think he is one of those special guys logo that can really help shape a team. And I think when you look at how this team wants to go both on the ice and the culture they want to develop off the ice, I think he's a big part of that.
1: It's an, it's a, certainly an interesting fit for, I think, like Lou mentioned, the age group is, you know, kind of more of the 25, 26 year old age group. So you're definitely adding a more veteran presence there, especially on what could be a pretty young back end. If you, you know, look at the guys other than Mark Giordano, I, I kind of like that, you know, Petrangelo adds some offense and look, you don't have to sell me on a, a right hand shot defenseman. that's kind of been my, you know, selling point most of this offseason for the flames that I'd really like to see them add somebody uh, there. And I mean, look, the numbers offensively for Petrangelo are great. He's a really good defensive guy. I think there's some leadership there. If, Uh, You know, Mark Giordano is done after the end of his contract in a couple of years. There's that. There's a guy that's won a Stanley Cup. I mean, other than, like PK said, you you know, the back half of the contract might get a little iffy. But, I mean, I can't see how adding a guy like that is going to hurt your team in any sense.
2: Well, the one thing I would say is, you know, there's some factors here. So, you know, that Mark's up in a couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. It is an incredibly big hit, but it would also allow people like, for example, Yuso Valimaki some more time to develop. And that's that's how you have to think about it, guys, is just, you know, you're always trying to set your group up in terms of how they slot. So and you need some development time and some preparation in order to do that now, if you did make this move, if you did make this move, then not just you know you're not going to necessarily be in the market at least outside of maybe adding a veteran one million type dollar guy potentially in free agency, and I could see that frankly with how things set up for the flames anyway, does somebody else have to be on the move. To make room, um, so that's that's the the hard part, you know. And I don't I don't like throwing out anybody's name, um, but if you're going to move in somebody like Petrangelo, for example, and you've got Valimaki coming, and understanding that, you know, because he hasn't played hockey in so long, where are you going to start him? And you're you know you've let's not forget if you do that, like how. And, and you're keeping Mark, well, you can't really sign another big free agent. You probably can't even sign, can you? T.J. Brody again. So now you're without him. So you have you've still have Hannafin and Anderson, and, and you've got some options. But then, you know, what's left for you up front in terms of what you've got done? Now, here's the other thing to think about. If if you're Brad Treleving and the brass and you truly think at this point in time, this is the one guy that as Mr. Klein talked about checks all the boxes and truly puts you over, then you do it.
3: Mm-hmm. Then you do it.
2: If that's if that's how you feel and that's your priority Now, I'm going to look really, really hard at doing it because, you know, you have have a Seattle situation coming up, right? You know, where you could, if it doesn't work, but, I mean, it's going to work. You've got other people to think about. However, you know, as Alex goes along, how many years do you have him as a top-pairing guy? And if that's four or five... Out of the seven or even four, then I can probably live with it I, because those guys, they don't, they don't grow on trees, but I really, really would have to have a great feel for where he is in terms of what he wants and where he wants to be, because if there's any question about that, that's a massive commitment So Mm -hmm. more than anything, I need to know the best that I can that this guy just doesn't want to come in here and be a great player for you, but he needs his leadership and his ability to continue to help you form that winning way. That's right up there on my priority list.
0: Uh, chatting with our Flames insider Peter Labardius, so you kind of touched on this yesterday, and I want to have the discussion today. It might be a, a little bit more abbreviated than we wanted with uh, Petrangelo and the Flames being linked together, but do want to to touch on um, something we mentioned yesterday with, with what do do fans want their team to to be long term? and you would kind of broach it i guess to us as do you want to be a team that's in the mix all the time or is it just championship or bust am i am i reading that right or how best i guess would you explain this yeah that's 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 pretty
2: much the best i can explain it understanding you know in sports now when you're in you always have an opportunity but in the evaluation process you know, I think championship or bust is hard, Peter, but probably it's are you willing to have the patience to give yourself an opportunity where you're not what I would call a Midland team, meaning you're always wondering about getting in, but, but are you patient enough in terms of building it to where you're more like, as I talked about yesterday, where you can get to maybe... You know at tampa that's a that's a big gold standard right when you're in the top four four out of six years but to me that's that's what success really is because if you're truly in that window most of the time, I think you do have a chance to win a championship now you might win one um there's lots of different ways, and we see it all the time but you know I, I guess maybe the easier question are you willing to pay the price as a fan sometimes and even miss the playoffs if you can get to that Tampa-type place?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of times where like that that jump from being good to great is one of the the more difficult ones that we see in sports. And I think it you is. look at the team that, that Petrangelo could potentially be coming from with the, the St. Louis Blues, they were really good for a long time and mm-hmm. just never could quite get over that hump and then all of a sudden a goalie comes out of the ECHL and gets them there but that that jump and, and Tampa Bay has had trouble with that and so many teams have had that trouble from going from hey we're pretty good every year to okay now we are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender every year That that is such a difficult jump to make. It's a difficult jump to make Peter but
2: I'm glad you used both of those examples because don't you see a difference between those two teams and a Boston, for an example, in comp- and, and even to a certain extent, couldn't we almost already put Vegas in that category? I mean, in, in three years, they've been, you know, in the final four twice and in the final once. So, yeah. you know, so that's a, that's a, you're right. It's a small, small, small you know group and wouldn't we have put san jose in that category and anaheim in that category so i'm glad you distinguished it that way because you're right i mean to win a title so championship or bust isn't fair but what is fair is when you truly feel like you've reached the elite status rather than we're good enough to get in. You know, I have always said, Peter, and you've heard this for a number of years and Logan, so have you To, to me, there's kind of three steps, you know, there's that competitive step that that allows you to build your team to get in and, and always be around it. Then to me, step number two is you become a regular playoff participant. And then, step number three for me is elite and and elite for me would probably be going into a lot of years teams would see you as you know being a favorite to win your division and and a top four team in your conference because if you can be there in my opinion more often than not then not that you don't have a chance you've always got a chance to win and things can happen and you know, every single playoff has its surprises because a lot of things, as we've talked about the last few weeks, need to go right. But, but that's how I would, you know, define it. And some people would just be, okay, you know what, I, I'm just happy to be competitive and be in the mix. Uh, I, I'd love, you know, for me, and you're right, in the cap era, it's hard to do it, right, for any length of time. But I want to be in that step three of the program. Where, mm-hmm. you know, for a number of years, as some of the teams that I talked about already, you just feel like those, you know, put Washington. Like, how can we miss Washington? There's another yeah. group where just for how many years when you build it right and and have the right people, you come into every year feeling like you could win the Stanley Cup. Not make the playoffs,
0: but win. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk, when you talk about those three stages of winning and the three stages for a, a development, I think a lot of fans—and I'm probably general Well, I'm definitely generalizing. Um, but I think a lot of fans want to go from one to three. Like there, yeah. there aren't, a, there isn't a whole lot of patience for that too. It's kind of—I've called it the Ricky Bobby mentality, where if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> and you, like a, a lot that. of teams, That's like if, if it seems like if you don't have a chance to win the championship, then you better suck and get the, the best draft pro- prospect you can get. And it feels like a lot of fans just want to jump from like 15 wins to 60. And it's like, you know, there's a step there where you gotta you gotta learn how to win in that process. And it, it just feels like the, the popular thing is, well, you gotta rebuild, gotta rebuild, gotta rebuild, and bam, 55 win season. Like it just, it doesn't work that way. No, you, you know what gets tricky too? Peter is
2: in building it during that time frame. It seems like you're always going to have an off year. You know, you might be riddled with injuries. It just things might not go your way, and that's where people start to panic and sometimes make moves that they shouldn't. You're right. That's that's all part of the process in terms of understanding it's never going to have a straight path up the ladder. It just, it just isn't. But, but where you also get in trouble sometimes, and it's the hardest thing because you're projecting, you know, your team and where you think people are going to be. And, you know, I, I used to talk about windows. I don't talk about windows quite as much anymore because so many different things can happen. So like, you know, to me, it's more that three, step program and you know you're right everybody kind of wants to go from even the question we talked about last week so if you lost to dallas and now dallas might win the stanley cup how close are you you know what like what does that mean but that's the hardest part guys of building it it's i agree that second kind of step is really, really important. So even in the case of the Calgary Flames, to me, this playoff was very different because I saw a team that played a different way. I saw some great progression in, in young people like Manjapani and Dubé. We'll see what happens with Sam Bennett. Um, you know, we got a little bit better feel. Unfortunately, he got hurt in Kachuk, we got a great glimpse at Rasmus Anderson who played a big part of the playoff with a broken foot. But I'm I'm right on that very same vein, is that everybody wants it to go from here to a championship overnight. No, that second phase, which is to me being hey, this is a team that's gonna compete for a division title or we feel like, you know, are you going to be a top three team for sure in a good division? Or are you just, are we, are we unsure when you're not as unsure anymore? Understanding that things happen. Now I think you're closer.
0: Yeah. You could do a whole show on this. I I really enjoy this topic. But uh, before we let you go, uh, I do want to get your thoughts. Uh, The the Max Midget Tournament announcing today, uh, they will not be having a tournament for uh, 2020-2021. I I know that's a tournament that you you quite enjoy. And and when we hear you talk about a lot of these guys, even at the NHL level, um, there's a story or two about the Max Midget Tournament for a lot of them. So this is uh, another one that's tough to take in a, a year where we've had a lot of these.
2: Uh, it, it, you know what, it, it is. And and what really makes me sad is that in sports, in the development aspect of it, and you can see this at every level, Peter, in, in certain cases, years matter more than others because you don't get them back. You know, you can only be in that age category so often. You can only have an opportunity, you know, to play in those kind of events so often, you know, so there goes another opportunity and a great Calgary tradition. And, you know, it's, it's been a pretty outstanding event for many, many years. And now, you know, if this is your 17 year old year and you're on one of the Calgary teams or, you know, other teams across Western Canada, and you had that penciled in even though we talk about the NHL all the time guess what for for a lot of kids playing in that event might be the highlight of their hockey career and now you're not mm-hmm. in it you know think about think about the kids this year you know at a little bit higher level so let's say for sure you were going to make the Halenka Gretzky Cup team for Canada and play that in Edmonton and Red Deer and have a chance to play in front of 10,000 people. But let's say, you know, you're not going to be, you're going to be good enough to play on that team. Let's say on a third or fourth line, but you're never going to play in the World Junior, maybe, because you just might not cut it, and you might not get to the NHL. Well, think about how that, how you've missed out again on potentially like the greatest moment of your athletic life. So you know those things starting with our discussion about the max that makes me sad because you can't get that back
0: yeah yeah and you you wish there'd be a way where kids who had a shot this year can come back for it next year but it just unfortunately doesn't work that way it's yeah this is like the the stuff about like the nhl players being in a bubble and stuff like that like nhl teams are going to be fine it's these types of things that you start to worry about yeah it's
2: exactly the case for me now you know in all the different ways and all the different you know and and Peter you know we'll have this chat at some point between now and the end of October on the show. what really concerns me is the development like where mm. are these te- you know if, if, if you're the flames like where are all your guys gonna play? Where are they playing and where are they, like, where are all these prospects going to play? I mean, the Quebec League is the only league that's going to get up and running. Hopefully, the Western League does maybe in December. Same thing can be said. That's kind of the planning date in the Ontario League. But guess what? We can't get people to the highest level without the development. And right now, you know, I just saw a story a couple days ago. You know, a couple kids from the Western League went over you know, to play in Berlin, but then that got squashed. So unless you can find your way into Europe, if you're in North America, it's hard to find places to play. You know, leagues are, leagues are having, including, I think, the BC Hockey League, almost a pay-to-play scenario so they can get their seasons going. Like, this is the – it's what you said. I mean, the NHL is going to be fine. But the feeder system, we got some problems.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. And that was that was a tough announcement to, to hear today. We will yeah. have uh, someone from the tournament coming up here in a matter of moments. Uh, so, Lou, we will let you go. Uh, tomorrow's chat should be uh, – most of this chat was fun today. Just uh, a tough subject <laughs> at the end. But we will have another Stanley Cup final game to talk about tomorrow. Okay. Thanks, Peter. Great job, you guys.
2: Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit geminigroup.ca.
0: Again, on that note, we will have Larry Herbison from the Max Midget Tournament presented by Circle K coming up in a matter of moments uh, to talk about today's announcement and how difficult that must have been. Uh, This is Hockey Central at Noon here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.
4: Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. It's one hour all about hockey coming up. It'll be the big show at 1 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Time now to uh, head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We've had this man on uh, in the past, and uh, we're going to have him on in the future. It's it's Larry Herbison, the MAX tournament uh, chairman. Larry, um... I, I I wish it was better news. I think people expect it, but just, you know, you, you had the release there yesterday that uh, we don't, we're not going to have our holiday tradition in Calgary. It's uh it's completely understandable, but it still must sting. It sure stings us here at the station that the 2020 uh max tournament is, is, is postponed and canceled.
5: Yeah, it was a, it was a really tough decision to make. And, you know, we thought long and hard about it and we had, you know, what your meetings and, But, uh, you know, with all of the initial thoughts were keeping people safe and, you know, all of the volunteers and arena management and uh, participants and parents, and we just thought it was a responsible and safe thing to do at this point in time with what's happening with the COVID to have to make that hard decision and cancel it.
4: And imagine you you thought about it as much as you could and said, what if we did this? What if we did that? But uh what's been happening you know here in 2020 is that stuff just gets so hard to do because you do want to you want to be safe you have to be safe in this situation larry so it is it is the right decision was it was it a, a case where you kind of go well what about this what about that and it just it just became too much
5: well we, we did think about another you know a couple other options um you know because the ideal thing would have been to try to have some form of a tournament and you know and have hockey but you know with it's so difficult with not being able to have the international teams come because of the borders being closed and the, um, you know, quarantining that would have had to happen if they did come, uh, were able to make it. And so that was kind of impossible to have. And then with the other provinces as well, the way the Alberta is right now, you know, it would have been tough to have them here. And so to have any other kind of tournament, it just, it just wasn't the max tournament. If we, you know, kind of, Made it a lot smaller and tried to do a local thing. Those teams play each other so much, and and that's not really the mandate of the tournament. So it just was really tough to try to put something else on with everything going on and not being able to have that international flair to the tournament. Larry
4: Herbison is our guest. He's the Max Tournament Chairman. Uh, they announced that this uh, this holiday season we will not have the Max Tournament in Calgary due to uh, COVID nineteen and what's been going on all throughout the world. But I, I guess Larry, let's let's kind of be uh, half full. Let's put the, let's make the glass half full. Your chance to kind of regroup and rethink and 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 maybe, you know, make things a little bit better. Is that maybe
5: a, a silver lining to all this? Oh, most definitely. I mean, that's if you can take a positive out of this, which is hard to find. But you know, if you can if you can spin a positive on it, we're not going to sit back and and just let this year go by. It's it's a perfect chance for us to you know, get together. We're continuing to have the meetings starting next month and right straight through until next year to try to tweak the tournament, make it bigger, make it better, you know, fix all the little things we need to have. And our plan is to be back bigger and stronger than ever next year. And there's lots really, when you think
4: about it, this tournament is, is world famous there. You, know, you look at your alumni list and I'll encourage our listeners to do that. When you see names like Wendell Clark, Sidney Crosby, Jerome Ginla all played in this tournament and tons and tons more that legacy is something else, and and I guess that's obviously very important to to you folks to make sure that that continues, uh, be
5: it next year. Well, for sure. I mean, that's that's a big part, and you know, not not only for those players having the opportunity to to go on and and make it to the NHL, which you know is always great when when we have alumni to do that, but for the. For the other players that, you know, have that opportunity to be seen by scouts, to be able to play this level of hockey against European teams and against the teams in the United States and have that experience and, you know, play, hopefully make it to the final. You know, that's your big goal and play in the Saddle Dome. And for a lot of a lot of players, you know, that, that'll that be the highlight of their career. So, you know, it's that's what it's all about for us on the board is the players and, and the look on their face and giving them that experience and just making things the best we can make it
4: tournament has been around in Calgary since 1978. Larry, you've been a part of it for, for a while. Can, is there one or two games or one or two players or events or something that happened that just sticks in your mind as being very, very special? I imagine, you know, there's been so many great games and great players, but are there one or two things you can share with the audience that just really, really, when you think about it, wow, that was amazing.
5: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been, uh, I've been involved for the tournament for almost 30 years and, um, there's been so many memories that uh, you know I've had over the years, but i I guess you know one of the one of the ones that really sticks in my mind that you know was was a big international event was when mr Nedved decided to defect uh, you know right. during the tournament and you know that that was that was just unheard of at that time and and um you know it was an international incident and so I mean the tournaments had everything from players going to n h l to international affairs to you know you name it so so those kind of events just kind of stick in your mind.
4: So as we get ready and and uh, take a pause for a year, and then figure out what happens for you know next, you know December. Um, what 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 can you tell you know the fans, the volunteers, and all the people that that put on this amazing tournament? I mean, we want you to hang in there, but what what can the kind of volunteer do? Just just say, hey, I'm I'm with you next year. Or what's what's what do would you say to those folks, Larry?
5: Well you know we we've got such a great contingent of people here in Atkin Calgary. I mean, we're so lucky the tournament's volunteer based. You know, we have over two thousand dollars or two thousand volunteers every year. Um, you know, so to everybody all I can say is sponsors as well. I mean, we have just just great sponsorship and follow you know, been with us for year after year. So to everybody hang in there, we're gonna be back next year bigger and stronger. We sure hope that you'll stick with us and you know we'll do everything we can to make up for this year, uh, next year, and see what we can't come up with. And but hang in there, guys. We really appreciate the support, and we'll be back, and hopefully you'll be back with us.
4: Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you, Sportsnet 960s with you all the way. You guys uh, need anything from us, you give us a call. We will get the word out for sure. Thanks so much. You know, tough news, Larry, but but understandable. And we will uh, we'll regroup, and we'll have a bigger and better Max tournament in you know 13, 14 months. We'll get ready for it again. Okay.
5: You betcha. You. We'll, be, we'll be back bigger and stronger, and you can, you can count on some things going to be taking place. You know, we'll get some new things in place, and we'll be, we'll be here for sure.
4: Okay, thanks for taking the time out on Hockey Central, Larry. Thanks so much.
5: Thanks, I appreciate it. There we go. Uh, Atlas, Pete, Atlas,
4: Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. It's The uh, guest hotline now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Logan, Peter, um, that's tough news. That one kind of hit. I knew it was coming, but just it's, you know, we've done remotes there. I've gone to games just, you know, there's December 29th. There we are at Max Bell jammed in there. Ah, it's, it's, it's tough slugging for sure.
0: Yeah, it really is too bad. And having um, ha- having worked for the, the Calgary Canucks in a, a past lifetime, that's a lot longer ago than I'd like to admit. Um, but seeing the buzz around Max Bell when the, the Max tournament was coming up and there are so many people involved and so many people get excited about this tournament and the importance of it for some of these young kids. Mentioned with Lou in the last segment, it seems like anytime we're talking about a player, he gets to mention that he saw them at the max midget tournament. A lot of players have come through there and it's really disappointing for the kids who are going to miss out again, completely understandable and a reminder that we're not through this thing just yet, but it, uh, yeah, logo and uh logo. It really sucks hearing that news today.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one for sure. It's a Calgary icon, a staple in the sporting calendar here. And,
4: I think you would uh, have grown up uh, watching it, Logan. Right? Yeah,
1: it's been around for as long as I can remember, and probably before my time. And it'll probably be uh, hopefully on the calendar for a long time to come. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Klein. It's it's a tough one to take, and especially for you know the kids that look forward to that tournament, and it's a big deal for them, and you know for people making the trip over, it's a big deal, and to have it just wiped off for a year is. It's tough, but I'm sure they'll be back. They've got great support and yeah. uh, they
4: put a great tournament on, so I'm looking forward to it coming back. You know what we should do, just to kind of, since there's no tournament, but you look at that list, guys, and I, I just started scribbling names down, right? Like Wendell Clark, Sidney Crosby, Jerome McGinley, even our uh, Rhett Warner and, and Corey Sarch. Uh, they all played in this thing. You know, I wonder if we just kind of make some phone calls and just, just get their thoughts on, on playing in the Mac, because they all remember their time. That was. A lot of those guys, that was their first big uh, kick at the can, as it were. And I remember I've asked uh, Rhett and Corey and those guys, like, when did, when did you know that you know, maybe this was something you could do and maybe, maybe the NHL is not that far off? And most of them will say probably when they were that age, a little bit before that, and to play in a big tournament like that. So that's, that's maybe something we can work on, figure that mm-hmm. out a little bit. All right, guys, uh, we'll take a break and uh, hear uh, a little bit more. On Hockey Central, as we've got uh, Leon Dreisettle. He was part of the draft a few years ago, big, big first round pick. The 2020 NHL draft is set for October 6th and 7th. We're all over it. Um, we are going to be on it before, during, after, all that kind of stuff. And we've got starting tomorrow the 2020 NHL draft player profiles. Matt Rose uh, worked on these seemingly forever ago, <laughs> but uh, they are ready to go and get on the radio. Uh, he talked to Sam Cosentino. He talked to Peter Lopartius. He put together, I think there's about 45 of them. And so you'll find out what the scoop is for the first and second round and uh, get an idea of who these young guys are. It's all brought to you by Mammoth Insurance, bringing insurance out of the ice age. Find them at mammothinsurance.ca. We'll take a break and hear from Leon Drysaddle next, right here on Sportsnet 960.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The
4: Fan. Ah, Lunchtime is here. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, and Peter Klein coming up at 1 o'clock. It is the big show. Will Nault, Pat Steinberg in after 2 o'clock. And we've got hockey for you. See what happens tonight from Edmonton at 6 o'clock. Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay Lightning. See if the uh, the Stars can rebound or does Tampa keep rolling. We'll have to see. Uh, Guys, what do you got coming up on the old... uh, the old program after one o'clock. I like it's Wednesday. Uh, like, come on. going
0: to be yeah, awesome. Wednesday, like you said, Stanley Cup uh, final game day. So we'll discuss that. Yep. We also have Adam Levitan coming on from Establish the Run to talk some fantasy football. Now that everyone has completely blown their minds and budgets on uh, fantasy football running backs, should they actually trust the guys they just spent all that money on? Uh, So a a lot of questions still to be answered in in fantasy football. So we have that coming up as well in the one o'clock hour.
4: I was thinking about uh, fantasy football and and being a voyeur on your uh, league that you guys have here at the station. Boom and I were talking about like, what a marketing tool for the national football league. Like who else would even care about the backup running back and who's going to play for the Carolina Panthers suddenly that is absolutely on everybody's mind on Tuesday and Wednesday. I mean, that's right. It's brilliant. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant how they've done it. You know?
0: Yeah. Right? They have us talking about that stuff in the middle of the Stanley cup final and the NBA playoffs like yeah. and baseball's playoff race. And we're talking, Hey, Devonta Freeman just signed. What should we do with him? Like there's, it's incredible how they have
4: managed to dominate the, the sports conversation really 12 months of the year. Yeah, it, it is something. Did you do anything with my Blake Bortles information? My, my uh, uh, pick to click info that I gave you yesterday? Or are you just still <laughs> sitting on it?
0: yeah sitting on it don't want (laughs) to don't want to give it away right away because then it looks like collusion right like i have to have to
4: pretend like i just stumbled upon it wow look at this information this is incredible (laughs) yeah because they like insider information insider training you get you get in trouble if it's like the next day you have to kind of wait a little bit that's that's a good plan uh leon dreisaitl um we saw him in uh prince albert guys and we knew he was going to be something and then what he went to Kelowna. Uh, towards the end there, and was just this big, strong guy that could skate like the wind, could shoot, and he has been something. And people wondered about, wow, he's, you know, he's on with Connor McDavid, blah, blah, blah. Well, Connor McDavid has been hurt for, for a chunk of that, and I don't know, PK, uh, Leon Dreisaitl is some kind of hockey player, and he has lived up to, uh, even if you're the most cynical person, he has been lights out uh, a, a massive pick for the Oil.
0: Yeah, there's no way you could look at this other than uh, another one of those franchise-changing moves where they go uh, Leon Dreisaitl with a third overall pick in 2014. Back-to-back 40-goal seasons, would have been flirting with 50 if you would have got uh, a full season in after getting 50 the year before. Uh, an absolute monster down the middle for the Edmonton Oilers, and one of those guys where when McDavid goes down, he is someone, He he's not Connor McDavid, he's never going to be, but he is really good at being Leon dry And I think someone the Oilers can rely on as they go into this next progression to go from perpetually rebuilding, maybe once in a while flirting with the playoffs to being a team. That's a real problem atop the Pacific division.
4: Logan, did he uh, disappear in the uh, series against Chicago? Did you see enough of it? He, he uh, was here and there occasionally in that series for me. And I, you know, that's, that's the next level for a guy like that, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look there was a reason i think a lot of oilers fans and people around the hockey world were worried about that matchup for you know edmonton going into chicago against chicago with you know kane and taves guys who have done it and and been there and know what it takes it's kind of that next step for guys like mcdavid and drysdale to to get to yeah. that level and and learn how to win
4: leon drysdale wins the heart and the ted lindsey uh we had the guys on uh Jeff Merrick and crew, uh, Hockey Central, out in Toronto, and that's what Merrick asked him first: like, what What are you more proud of? Is it the Hart or the Ted Lindsay Trophy?
6: Obviously, I'm I'm very proud and, and um, you know fortunate, happy to um, to have won both. Uh, but you know, obviously, I I, I respect both uh, um, both voters. But I, I mean, you know, obviously the the ones from uh, from our guys, the, the guys that you play against every night, sure. uh, guys that you play with, um, just means a lot, you know, um, kind of shows me that, uh, they, they appreciate, uh, my work and, and, um, obviously think that, uh, I'm a halfway decent
3: player. So, um,
6: <laughs> yeah, I, that, that one is, is special for
3: sure. Berkey over to you. So you just crapped all over the award that I voted
1: you for. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right hey leon thanks for doing this congratulations man
6: thank you very much thanks for having me
1: yeah this uh very cool so i've been talking up german hockey for a while i remember it's brian burke talking by the way we spent some time before your draft year because we weren't sure what edmonton were going to do this is quite a statement cider last year stutzel this year german hockey is alive and well
6: yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's great for a country. You know, there's more and more, uh, especially young kids coming up that, that you know, have uh, have something in the draft. Or they're supposed to get drafted pretty high, and um, it's great to see. Uh, I think we're, we're a rising country, and, and yes, yeah, it's, it's fun to be a part of, for sure.
3: Stewie?
2: Thanks for joining us, Leon. Uh, You've gotten better the last three years. You've improved your point totals uh, each of the last three seasons. Uh, What would be your message to the younger kids who might think, ah, he just got lucky or he's got got a lot of natural
6: talent? Uh, I mean, you know, there's just never a time to stop working ever. Um, You know, I mean, I, I know I won these awards now, but there's so many things that I need to do better in my game to, to help us win as a team and, and I'm, I'm aware of that and I think that's something that is very important for young kids. Uh, you know, having a great year is important and, and it's great and, and it's great for your confidence, but there's always something that will make you a better player or there's always something that, um, that you can work on and um, you know, I know it's a little bit of a cliche, uh, but, but it is very true. Uh, there's always something that, that can make you a better player.
3: Alongside Hart Trophy and Ted Lindsay uh, Award winner Leon Draisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers here on Hockey Central, uh, Leon. The first time I met you was Memorial Cup, uh, Quebec City or Kelowna Rockets, uh, go to the final against the the Oshawa Generals. And one of the things of, during one of your games, I can't remember which, it might have been Ramparts or maybe Oceanic. Uh, we did a we did a piece. We had one of your hockey sticks uh, on set, and we were marveling at this canoe paddle of a blade. Uh, that you have, which is, you know, I mean, rivaled only by Pavel Datsik. I mean, Datsik had sort of the same thing. Have you always used that large a blade? I mean, it looks like it's, you know, most players want to you know shorter blade, keep the puck in tight. I mean, was that something that you always use? Or is that something you sort of discovered, uh, you know, over the over the uh, the years of your career? And and what are the challenges and what are the benefits of using a blade that is, to be blunt, that huge?
6: Uh, yeah, I, I call it the burger flipper. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, no, my, my dad, uh, when he played, he used a very similar curve. And um, since, obviously, I'm a young kid, uh, I, I've been using it. And um, I made it a little longer because I liked, um, you know, my backhand on it. And there's just so many things that I, in, in my opinion, think are, are very effective. Uh, having a long blade and... and you know, being able to control the puck, and um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I know it looks weird and 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 awkward at times, but um, I love it. I've always loved it, and um, I don't think I'll be changing it anytime soon.
3: Well, it's working. I wonder, do, do any of your teammates ever pick it up to try it? <laughs>
6: to flip burgers, maybe. Yeah, but, <laughs> uh, no it's it's actually it's actually pretty funny when you see. Um, Like sometimes after practice or whatever, we switch and and you see someone else skating around with my stick and it just looks so weird. I'm just like, that does not look right at all. So I wonder what I look like.
3: Well, it's working. Berkey? So, Leon,
1: you didn't step right into the NHL. And I I told the story on TV yesterday or radio on Monday that you, you showed great perseverance and stuck with it. Your first year pro wasn't that much fun.
6: Mm, yeah no not at all um you know obviously you you come in as an 18 year old you think you're ready to play you're a high pick you want to play in the NHL but um you know it is the best league in the world and I really I really saw that in my first little bit um you know I just I just wasn't ready I I just couldn't make an impact and as hard as it was to get sent down in the long run I think um to be honest it, it was probably the best thing that could have ever ever happened to me,
3: Stewie.
2: Um, how is it playing with uh, Connor McDavid? Do you guys have like a friendly competition, or is it more so a rivalry?
6: I uh, no, it's it's a friendly competition all the way. Um, you know, we push each other. We try to make each other better. Um, I'm happy when he scores. I know he's happy when I score. And um, you know, obviously, we haven't had much much success. Um, over the last couple of years, but I think we took a step this year and, and it's obviously up to Connor and me now to, uh, to take the next step and, and yeah, make our team better.